Welcome to More Impact. For the next 20 minutes or so, I hope to inspire you to step up and make more impact in every part of your life. I'm Deborah Ogden, and for over 15 years, I've been working with clients to step up and stand out with a powerful personal brand. Through this podcast, I want to bring you ideas and inspiration to allow you to do the same. Hello, how are you? So today it is Father's Day in the UK and a celebration for many of dads who we are blessed to have to love and still have in our lives and for some people to have loved that maybe have lost them. And I'm conscious a number of people, a number of my friends, maybe it's because I'm getting to a certain age, but they've lost their dads over the recent months and they've certainly been on my mind today. And I've just come off a call with my brother and um, Father's Day is a strange one for us this year. If you've been listening for a while, you'll know that my dad is currently being treated for stage four lung cancer and the pro prognosis is, is not good. It's not good at all. And even when I found myself writing his Father's Day card this week, I didn't know what to write. I couldn't find the right words um, because we just don't know what lies ahead and how long we have together. And as dark and sad as that seems and is, we've also been blessed because we've been given a warning and we've been given a reminder to ensure that we make the best of every single day, that we create some fabulous memories and we don't put things off until a later time because we know that time is very short. And while we do still have him around, we are determined to make the best of that time and not be morbid and downhearted, but um, find joy in the moments. And it's not always hard, but humour has always been a huge part of our family. So it's really important to us all to continue that. And it made me reflect and it often makes me reflect on the impact that my dad has had on me and also how much of what I do in my work originates from the guidance that he has given me over the years. We are incredibly close. Um, we are incredibly similar. <laughs> if you ask anybody in the family, we um, are both known for our short temper and bad temper and always thinking that we're right. But we've also got a lot of love and give a lot of love. And I get my drive and determination and my competitiveness from him. Uh, but also my love of life and my humour. And... He's been my biggest support and still is my biggest support in the business and the work that I do. And some of what I do, I think, has taken him time to get his head around the uh, 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 the ideas of what he thinks is modern business in that he was at the height of his career in industry for many, many years. But the work place has changed so much in the last 20 years and when I use words like and even though he's always he's incredibly empathetic and always has been a great leader I think words like vulnerability when I try and tell him about Brené Brown 
and Simon Sinek, I think sometimes have challenged him, but he's always kept an open mind and is always keen to hear what is going on. So what I thought I would do today for today's episode is in in recognition of fathers all over the country all over the world is today are five lessons in impact that I've learned from my dad and the first one and it's become folklore in our house but it is that life isn't fair and the sooner that you learn that and get on with it then you will do better and one of my coaches always said to me it's not the first decision that you make it's the second decision in response to what happens after the first decision. In other words, it might go right and it might go swimmingly and what will you do in response to that? But also things might go wrong and it's how we respond to that situation with resilience, with curiosity, with optimism and picking ourselves up. So I think life isn't fair is one of those mottos that I've carried through with me. And it's interesting, one of the concepts and one of the pieces of research that I share on a regular basis, I shared it on Friday at an event with some architects, is a piece of work by a chap called Harvey Coleman and his pie model. And it's all around career success and how only 10% of your career success is down to your performance. 30% is down to what he calls your image, which I would call your personal brand, so that's how you show up. And then a huge 60% is down to what he calls exposure. Now, I call that capitalising, so you'll have heard me talk about you need clarity, you need to communicate that, and then you need to capitalise. So a huge 60% of your career success is down to exposure, according to Harvey Coleman. And a lot of people are quite indignant about this and say, well, performance should be so much more, and that isn't fair. And I often ask people to raise their hands and say, who thinks this isn't fair? And the first rule of Harvey Coleman is... No one said it was going to be fair. And if you think about it, it makes sense because if you are the world's best kept secret, if you are the best graphic designer in the world, technically no one can come near you. But if nobody's seen your work, nobody knows about it, you don't tell people, you don't share it, you aren't able to, art able to articulate your value then you're never going to reach your peak performance. And the same within an organisation. You may be absolutely brilliant at what you do, but if nobody knows what you stand for, nobody knows what your strengths are, nobody knows how your personality will fit into a department, a project, into somebody's future plans, then you are never going to reach your full potential. So that is my first lesson from dad. My second one is my competitive streak and this might be controversial um, in this day and age. My goodness we see 
happen here so many times, don't we, about it's the taking part that counts. And in schools these days, there are no winners or everybody's a winner at school sports day. And I am fully aware that we need to be inclusive and that not everybody is going to win. But I also believe that there is a huge lesson in winning and striving to win and putting our best self forward. But there's also a huge lesson in not winning and not always being the one that's at the top. And the work around um, the growth mindset is all about that when we have to find other ways when we are struggling and if you are somebody who has always won has always um, done incredibly well and then actually finds themselves not winning maybe failing or struggling to work out a problem or a situation then being able to dig deep and find the answers and being able to be curious and look at ways to work out problems is part of that growth mindset. And for me, that sits loosely within competitiveness. How can I improve? How can I up my game? How can I keep going? If I've failed this time, what can I do? What can I learn from this situation to do better next time what do they say fail is first attempt in learning or there is no failure we just learn so for me competitiveness and uh, that desire to win the desire to be the best is something that has certainly helped me over my career and over the last 12 years of running this business but not giving up either when times are hard just to keep on going I've already mentioned this as well, but the competitiveness and the always winning always seemed to uh, play out when it came to arguments as well, especially when I was a teenager. And I think my mum sometimes raises her eye a little bit at the moment when I say, oh, gosh, you know, teenagers. And she said, yes, Deborah. I've been there and dealt with that. So that competitiveness even came to who would win the argument. Okay, so um, the third one would be how to shake hands. And this seems such a small thing, but for me, has a huge impact on a day-to-day basis. And I know during COVID, things changed a lot and a lot of people choose not to shake hands now. And I respect that. But it's something that we taught Oscar at quite a young age to be able to shake hands and most importantly, look somebody in the eye uh, when you are shaking hands. And I talk a lot about first impressions and in a business environment, so often our handshake is our first impression. And I do believe it can communicate so much confidence and self-worth in such a simple gesture 
I remember many years ago, actually, one of my very first, one of the very first workshops I delivered and a young guy saying to me, I'm quite young within an agency. And he said, you know, I don't like to be the person that first goes to shake somebody's hand, especially if somebody is more senior than I am, uh, somebody that I look up to or somebody within my network that I perceive as a leader or more senior. I said to him, absolutely, you should be the one that if they don't take control, put your hand out and shake hands. And for me, shaking hands is that moment when you are going into a situation and you might be a little bit nervous, you might be a little bit unsure. It just gives you that moment of grounding to shake hands, to look somebody in the eye, to smile and make that real connection and start to build that rapport. So for me, shaking hands is incredibly important. And it's interesting, I often say to people, do you think you've got a good handshake? Does anybody think they've got a bad handshake? And a couple of people will sometimes put their hand up. Often women will put their hand up and say, I don't feel mine is strong enough, doesn't have enough impact. And then I'll say to people, but how many times have you experienced a bad handshake? And every hand in the room goes up. And again, it's one of these, a little bit like your personal brand, it's one of these areas that unless we've been given feedback, we don't know how good our handshake is. So it's something I always recommend young people go and get some feedback on. You know, there's nothing worse is there than a wet handshake or somebody that just is a bit, just holds the end of your fingers or it's a bit sweaty. And there's nothing worse than somebody crushing it. I had a situation a couple of weeks ago in a social situation, actually, where my husband went to introduce me to somebody and this guy absolutely crushed my hand. Now, I know I've got a firm handshake, but this guy crushed my hand. And I just thought, mm, that says a lot more about you than it does about me and my strength. So, there we go, moving on swiftly. Um, and then the fourth thing for me would be my love of sport and my ability to be able to talk sport. Now, I'm not saying that everybody should be able to talk sport, but sport has given me an ability to make small talk with people of every walk of life, um, in every position, in every network situation. And it's very rare that I can't find some common ground if I'm not talking about sport, maybe about travel. And this ability to make small talk and have a conversation with strangers comes from my dad. My love of sport started at a very young age. I was at my first cricket match at three weeks old and um, he actually told the nurses in the nursing home where I was born, because that's how old I am and that's where you were born in those days, um, that uh, I was going to play football for Manchester United. Well, of course, that didn't come to uh, fruition. But my love of cricket, my love of football, my love of travel all come from dad. And actually, the ability to talk to them, has uh, talk about those subjects has opened so many doors for me. 
when I worked at Old Trafford, when I was media manager, working with people like Freddie Flintoff and Jimmy Anderson and Mike Atherton, some real stars. Um, it was when I went to that interview, the ability to be able to talk about cricket and have an understanding of the sport put me streets ahead of some of the other candidates. And also being in that environment, having to, because it was such a male environment, in fact I was talking about this at an event this week as well, I used to get invited to the cricket writers dinner and there would be 500 people in the room and 10 of them would be women and the rest would be made up of cricketers, so some of the cricket stars of uh, the time and even people like John Major and Rory Bremner and you would be sat in, you could be sat next to them and the ability to just chat and take it in your stride and have an understanding of the sport stood me in such good stead and also allowed me to enjoy those situations with so much more ease. So it doesn't have to be sport, what, but whatever it is, find a topic that you can chat about um, avoiding religion and politics if possible but and if you're struggling I would say to people be fascinated don't worry about being fascinating ask questions and listen ask questions about a topic and even those people that I've worked with over the years that are more introverted that find small talk really quite difficult they always say that it's not the conversation that they found difficult it's the superficial chat that they really struggle with but as soon as they can find a core subject an area of mutual interest excitement then they are absolutely ecstatic and can chat for hours and hours to that person so what is it for you that you can talk about and find topics, know what's current and be able to maybe just share a few lines on that subject when it comes to networking. And then finally, and uh, this one's a little bit different, but I think the thing that one thing that my dad has taught me is about charisma and what charisma really is and how you can have presence and gravitas and truly light up the room be one of those people that draws people in and I can remember even as a, a little girl um, being you know starting school and everybody always wanted to come and talk to my daddy. He was he's six foot three and he is incredibly funny and um, incredibly warm and everybody always loves him and that has gone on through all my life. And I know he was the same in a business environment as well. When he's at the golf club, mum said they've been inundated with phone calls from his friends at the golf club that want to know how he is and how he's coping with his treatment. And that charisma, I've watched him over the years and watched what it is, that presence that he has. And yes, he is six foot three and uh, larger than life. But 
actually he's always at ease in a room. He's always very quick with a smile. He has an incredible warmth and he truly listens. He listens and yes, he'll have something to say back. And yes, he'll have an opinion and you'll have to listen to that as well. But he will always listen and be interested and ask questions. And he will remember that and he will bring that up next time. So he has an incredible ability to build rapport with absolutely anybody, whoever it is in the room. And I think that's probably one of the greatest lessons that I've learned from him. So I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. I suppose it's a more personal one and a little bit different, but that doesn't mean that the lessons that I'm sharing, the lessons that I've learned are any less. And I hope they have given you some food for thought and reflection. So have a super, super week and I will see you next on the next episode. Bye for now. Feeling inspired? If you'd like to know more, please visit my website at deborahogden.com where you can download your own personal brand action plan. And if you've enjoyed this episode, I'd love you to subscribe and share the podcast with your network. Thanks for listening and I'll see you on the next episode.